Hebrews chapter 13. In our study of the book of Hebrews, we're in chapter 1. But we're taking a little break from our verse-by-verse study today because this day on the international church calendar is extremely important. I don't really have the right adjective to describe the day. I I, I wouldn't call it uh, wonderful, but I I wouldn't call it terrible. I wouldn't call it a fun day, but I would call it a great day. I, I don't know how to describe it. But it is the international day of prayer for the persecuted church today. The International Day of Prayer for the Persecuted Church. And today, we are going to engage with the persecuted church worldwide through prayer. And we're going to engage with millions of Christians around the world that are also praying for the persecuted church today. I want us to read Hebrews chapter 13, verse 3, which is a commandment here in the scriptures. Hebrews 13, verse 3 says, Remember the prisoners as though in prison with them and those who are ill-treated since you yourselves also are in the body. Notice what it says. We are to remember Christians around the world who are imprisoned for the faith as though we were there with them. We're to let this reality that Christians face around the world touch us intellectually, emotionally, and spiritually. And we are to remind ourselves of those who are ill-treated since we are part of the same body. 1 Corinthians says if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. We rejoice with those who rejoice, but we weep with those who weep because we're blood brothers and sisters, amen, by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now we have the tremendous privilege of being the church in America. There's some privilege that comes with that. There's some other stuff that comes with that. But there's a tremendous sense of responsibility that comes with that because we are a free church in America. We begin freedom of religion here. We can express our religion. That is being challenged currently in the political scene in America. But as it stands at this moment, we have greater religious freedom than any other country on the face of the earth, period. And the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. And we've been given very much. We must remind ourselves as a church in America and we must engage with the church worldwide concerning the reality of Christians that are persecuted, threatened, tortured, tormented, imprisoned, and murdered for the same faith that you and I hold in freedom today. Since the birth of the church, 70 million Christians have been killed for their faith. 70 million since the birth of the church. At this moment right now, on November 11 and 11.46 Pacific Standard Time, at this moment right now, there are over 200 million Christians living in a context of persecution, fearful for the consequences of their faith, threatened as they practice their faith. Over 200 million of our brothers and sisters worldwide It is estimated that this year, 173,000 Christians will die for their faith. That is one Christian every 182 seconds. That's one Christian every three minutes. Since myself and the worship team arrived here this morning at 5.30, 120 Christians have died for their faith. 
one every three minutes. Now listen, I hesitate to give you statistics like that because these people are not statistics. Nor would it be right to classify them as victims. Nor are they merely heroes in some far off removed context. Ladies and gentlemen, these are our brothers and sisters. These are our family members. By the blood of Jesus Christ, these are our family. And they have names. They have faces. They've got hearts. They've been hurt. They've got moms and dads, brothers and sisters, sons and daughters. And they have wounds and scars, the like of which we know nothing in America. But I want to share just a couple stories this morning. Recent news reports from around the world to help us touch this reality. Recent news reports around the world of instances of persecution. Let's go first somewhere close to home, Colombia. Colombia and South America. I read you this story. Pastor Diego Bayanaro, I can't pronounce it. We'll just call him Diego. Pastor Diego, 27, was killed recently in the region west of Bogota. Witnesses say hooded men took Diego by force and stabbed him. The motives for the killing are unknown. However, it is common knowledge guerrilla groups view Protestant pastors who encroach on their territory as a threat. In fact, in the last 10 years, guerrillas have assassinated 133 pastors in the region. He's 27 years old. He loves Jesus. He's doing what I'm doing. He does what many of you do. He's just communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And hooded men come and drag him off and stab the man to death. He's got a family and a church. We need to pray for his family. We need to pray for his church. We need to pray that the testimony of his faith would spread in such a way that these gorillas would get saved by the love of Jesus Christ. Let's travel now to somewhere very close to home for us and our heart, Israel. We currently have a long-term full-time missionary in Israel, Jill Stubbs, from this fellowship who's been here since the very beginning. Her church was set on fire a couple weeks ago. The church that she attends every week was set on fire. October 23rd, suspected arsonists set fire to Narcus Street Baptist Church in West Jerusalem. According to Compass Direct News, the arsonists forcibly entered the building through a side door and set three fires in the sanctuary. The fire damaged 60 chairs and also caused smoke and water damage in the building. Compass News reported that although the police had not yet determined those responsible for the attack, it was suspected that they were Jewish militants. According to Pastor Vincent Bloom, the leader of, a, of the Russian Messianic Jewish congregation that meets in the building, an anti-missionary organization named Yad Lachim has threatened him and his congregation over the past few years. The group opposes the church's local evangelistic work and claims that believers are members of a dangerous sect. I stood in front of this building. Since I shared with you the fact that every three minutes a Christian dies, three minutes have gone by, another Christian has gone home. I stood in front of this building when I was in Jerusalem a few weeks ago on a trip to Israel. Stood there with Jill and she says, that's where my church meets. It was firebombed by people who are anti-Christian. We, we don't know anything of this reality here. 
when we were in Israel on that trip, one of my staff members, John Ryan, was sharing with a Hasidic Jew when we were at the Western Wall, full-on Hasidic Jew. He had the hat and the curls and the tassels and the whole nine yards. And, and he just met John Ryan, our, our staff member there, and, and John Ryan shared with him uh, the good news about Jesus Christ and then gave him his phone number. And he, we got a call in our church office from this cat in Israel a few days ago saying, I want to know Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior. Can you lead me to him? And he led him to him over the phone in Israel. By the way, the young man's name is Israel. That is his name. And now he has immediately been placed in a context of persecution. He is terrified for his family to find out about his faith in Jesus Christ. He has a wife whom he loves, who he is terrified to tell about his faith in Jesus Christ. He's afraid it'll cost him everything, and it very well may. Let's continue in Israel and go to the Gaza Strip where a Bible society worker was recently murdered. On October 7th, 26-year-old Rami Ayad's body was recovered near the teacher's bookshop where he worked in the Palestinian territory of Gaza. His body had stab wounds and bullet holes. Rami is survived by his pregnant wife and two children. He was distributing biblical literature in the Gaza Strip and was stabbed and shot for that simple act. And he's got a pregnant wife and kids. We need to pray today for the children that are left behind. We need to pray today that his murderers will come to the knowledge of the love of Christ Jesus and be saved. Let's travel now to India. On October 25th, five nuns were beaten by 20 Hindu militants. The militants surrounded the house of a local believer where the nuns were attending a prayer meeting and accused the nuns of forcibly converting local Hindus to Christianity. When the meeting was over, the militants attacked and beat them until the police arrived and took the nuns to safety. All five nuns were injured, and one is in serious condition due to head injuries she sustained in the attack. Another three minutes has passed, and another Christian's gone home for their faith. Five nuns beaten by 20 Hindus for praying. We don't know anything about this reality, but this is a reality around the world. We need to pray that these nuns would be encouraged in their faith today, that they would be healed emotionally, physically, that they would become spiritually even more bold in India. A pastor from India, <clears throat> on October 23rd, Pastor Victor and a group of local villagers were beaten by Hindu militants. The militants were angered because the pastor had organized a prayer meeting attended by Hindu tribesmen. Pastor uh, Victor was conducting a prayer service at a local church when the attackers stormed, attackers stormed the building. The attackers shouted curses at Christianity and beat the pastor and several believers. The pastor's ribs were broken in the attack. We need to pray for this man's healing today. And that he would not stop having prayer meetings. That he would continue to invite Hindus to know Jesus Christ. Listen, either this faith that we hold is the most wicked, vile thing the world has ever known, or it is absolute truth. Those are the only options when you see the way that people react to it. Let's travel now to Pakistan, a neighbor of India. On October 19th, local Muslims demolished homes belonging to three Christian villagers. According to the Voice of Martyrs contacts, more than 70 armed villagers moved in with tractors and began destroying their homes. Uh, one quote says, they demolished and looted three homes and only stopped when the police arrived. There's Christians living on land and the Muslims come with bulldozers. 
We need to pray for their protection, for their boldness, for provision to rebuild their homes, and that their testimony as they rebuild would cause Muslims to come to faith in Jesus Christ. Africa, the Sudan, on September 27th, a pastor was having an overnight service in a particular town when an unidentified man walked into the service and detonated a grenade, killing himself, five children, and critically wounding four others, including the pastor and his wife. We meet here with absolute freedom. Someone walks in with a grenade and blows himself up and children are killed. We need to pray today. Last week in Kaduna, Nigeria, two Christians were murdered. Before that, in Kanu, Nigeria, nine Christians were killed in a Muslim rampage. Currently in Turkey, threats and violence against Christians are on an upswing. Recently in China, where our long-term missionary Sarah is, two Christian attorneys were arrested and tortured. Recently in Argentina, of all places, a mayor shut down a ministry center in town. Just shut it down. It's very important that our hearts connect with this truth. I want you guys sometime this week to go to this website, prisoneralert.com. Prisoneralert.com. At prisoneralert.com, you'll find out about men and women who are currently imprisoned and tortured for their faith. I just got the signal another three minutes has gone by, another Christian's gone home. You can go to this website and you can see pictures and hear the stories, read the stories of men and women who are in prison for their faith right now. You can subscribe to an email update when, when uh, persecution takes place. It is made known. We don't hear about most of it. Most of it happens with no reporting whatsoever. And you can also, at prisoneralert.com, write letters to some of the people imprisoned. And they've enabled the website that you can write letters in their own language and they have the means to deliver letters to people who are in prison for their faith. Can you imagine? Being in prison for your faith, some of them for years deprived of the most basic, basic human necessities. To receive a letter from a Christian in America saying, I'm praying for you. But what can we do right now? Well, listen. Throughout the history of the church, the protocol has always been prayer. From its very inception, when persecution broke out against the church, the immediate response of the church was to pray. In Acts chapter 12, when Peter was in prison, it says, so Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently by the church to God. In Romans, <clears throat> when Paul had experienced persecution, he wrote, now I urge you, brethren, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God for me, that I may be delivered. In 2 Thessalonians, finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be glorified just as it did also with you and that we may be delivered from perverse and evil men. The word of God prescribes the action of prayer when persecution is happening. Philippians 1, 19 through 21, for I know that this shall turn out for my deliverance through your prayers and the provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that I shall not be put to shame in anything, but that with all boldness, Christ shall even now, as always, be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain, the apostle wrote. I want you to notice that he began there by saying, for I know 
that through your prayers my deliverance shall be worked. For I know. That is the biblical perspective on prayer. The Bible clearly teaches that prayer changes things. Amen? Prayer changes things. You cannot negate that doctrine in the Bible. Prayer changes things. And today, we can do ministry around the world. Three more minutes has gone by, another Christian's been killed for his faith. Today, we can do ministry around the world through prayer. We can change circumstances for people. Those who are weary and weak and broken in every way can receive strength today as we pray. Prison doors can be opened today as we pray. Widows and orphans will be comforted today as we pray. And James wrote that this is real religion, that you visit widows and orphans in their distress. And there are millions of orphans that have become such at the hand of persecution. And we can visit them in prayer today. And James also wrote that the prayer of a righteous man availeth or accomplishes much. The prayer of a righteous man is effective. Now, don't disqualify yourself because it says righteous. It's talking about righteousness that's received from the person of Jesus Christ by being a believer. And so if you're a believer, you've been made righteous by his cross. And so our prayers are effective. And we can enter boldly into the throne of grace. And Hebrews 13 commands us to remember as though we were with them. To cry out in prayer as though we were with them because we are. We are members of one body. We are inseparable, bound together by the blood of Christ and the Spirit of God. There are on the flyer that you received when you came in, on the backside, several ways to pray. In a minute... I'm going to have you guys turn to one another and you're going to pray as a church. You're not going to know the people behind you. It might be way outside your comfort zone. You need to get way over that real quick. How comfortable are the prisoners today? You need to get way over that real quick. We're going to pray today on their behalf. There's some ways to pray right here. Pray for those in prison that they would know they're not forgotten. Pray that the needs of the families of martyrs would be met abundantly. Pray that Christians would love those who are persecuting them. Pray that persecuted Christians would preach the gospel bravely. Pray that government and prison officials would be drawn into relationship with Jesus. Pray for the opening of restricted nations. Then we've got some more here because we couldn't fit them on the flyer. Pray that they would experience complete trust in God. Paul wrote about this in 2 Corinthians 1. For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves in order that we should not trust in ourselves, but God who raises the dead. We can encourage people's faith in God today through prayer. We need to pray that they will endure, for you have need of strength. Need of endurance, Hebrews says that they will love Christ more than life itself. Another three minutes has gone by. Another Christian has been killed. Revelation 12, they overcame Satan by the blood of the lamb and because of the word of their testimony and they did not love their life even to death. Philippians 1.21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Acts 20.24, Paul says, I don't consider my life of any account as dear to myself in order that I may finish my course. We need to pray that they can have that eternal perspective today. We don't know anything about it. We're American Christians. But we can pray about it. That they would love their enemies. 
Jesus said, but I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who mistreat you. That they will rejoice in sharing in the sufferings of Jesus so that they will rejoice all the more when the Lord comes. Hebrews 10.34 says that they accepted joyfully the seizure of their property knowing that they had a better possession in the life to come. Matthew 5.12, Jesus said, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward in heaven is great, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. 1 Peter 4.13, But to the degree that you share in the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing, so that also at the revelation of his glory you may rejoice with exaltation. Acts 5.41, So they, the disciples, after being scourged, beaten with the cat of nine tails, So they went on their way from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they had been considered worthy to suffer shame for his name. We can pray today that they will remember their unbelievable future glory in Christ Jesus and be encouraged. Paul wrote, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not even worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed to us. We can do the absolute best thing today which is to pray in these ways. It's the most powerful thing that we could do in face of what these Christians are facing. It's the most powerful thing we can do today. Our weapon, 2 Corinthians 10 says, our weapon is divinely powerful. It's got power with God for the tearing down of strongholds. It can change the world today through prayer, Christians. So turn around. Grab each other and cry out to God. Start to pray according to what's on here, what's on the PowerPoint, what's in your heart. But begin to cry out to God. Let your voice be heard in the heavens on behalf of the nations. Pray, church.